Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to season two of Welfare, the weekly running podcast with me, Amy Lane. There's a common misconception when it comes to running. People think that you need to run in order to get fit, but so many of the trainers I've worked with say that it's the other way around. You actually need to get fit and strong to reach your running potential. F45 champion this belief with their no-ego functional full-body workouts, which can support a runner's training regime. As a regular F45 girl at my local studio in Peckham, I'm so happy to partner with these guys. Head to www.f45training.com forward slash welfare to learn more about F45 and how they can help support your training too. Welcome back to Welfare with me, Amy Lane. As I record this, I'm a little bit sad as I can't believe this is the last episode of the series. Unlike long runs that can drag on forever, this season really has flown by. Over 12 weeks, we've been on a journey learning about running tech, running with donkeys, and the best non-running workouts that you can do to support your running. Plus, let us not forget the soulful squad who've been on hand to guide us through a post-run stretch every episode. I really hope you've enjoyed the show's news format, and do let me know what you'd like to hear about in the next season that will be coming early spring. Before then, I'll be dropping some bonus episodes, so do subscribe to never miss a show. And talking about shows, let's get on with today's. This week's guest is Andy Cohen-Ray. He's an athlete and a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming with over 25 years sporting experience. He's the guy behind Athlete in Mind, which coaches runners to help reach their full potential. He's often referred to as the multi-million pound man, as a cool mill is what you can earn in professional prize money when you tweak your mindset for success. At the end of the show, my mum is going to lead you through a cool down stretch this week. Right then, let's get on with this week's News You Can Use. Post-silly season, aesthetic goals are normally what lights the motivational fire within and gets many of us back out pounding the streets. But what if I told you there was a better benefit to running than body fat percentage alone? New research has revealed that athletes don't just have buff bodies but buff brains too. This means that they are better able to tune into the world around them because according to the researchers they have quieter nervous systems. Plus, they went on to say that if you have a healthier nervous system you may be able to better handle injury or other health problems. Now, there's a reason to embrace a January run streak beyond just losing weight. Before we head into the studio, it's time for today's shout out. And that goes to not just one person, but two people. Well done to Han and Bex, who are training for London Marathon 2020. They score the gold star for starting their run with activations as they're trying to bulletproof their body against injury. Well done, girls. And now it's time to head into the studio. Welcome, Andy. Good morning. Good morning. What an introduction. <laughs> Well, I mean, Thank you. You, you've, there's a lot that precedes you. So you've had a sporting career, you've got your own business, you've been a policeman. Yeah, life is good. It's, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey to get here. I don't just mean the tube line here today, but it's been a yeah, very interesting journey these 42 years. 
You've spent much of your life in trainers, having won numerous county and regional medals with 100 metre hurdles, 800 metres and cross country. And then you pivoted your athletics career to help others by setting up Athlete in Mind. Yeah, the running career, I guess I've, I've run everything from 60 metres indoors up to marathons and very slightly further um, when we ran a marathon that we got slightly lost on. So we ended up close to sort of 28, 29 miles. So I guess I'm an ultra runner um, by default and, and everything in between. Yeah, I've had great success, uh, 110 hurdles, 800 metres, miles, marathons, say two times national champion. Uh, for Ireland. Um, yeah, county, regional, lots of dusting in the trophy cabinet, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's amazing. And what age did you start? I started when I was 13. Wow. Yes. Interestingly, um, we tend to run towards a finish line, if that makes sense, as athletes, as runners. Somebody fires a gun and we run like mad to the finish. Um, I was actually running away from what was going on at home pretty much. So that's what started my journey, I guess, was mum and dad were splitting up when I was young. And um, yeah, my journey began by running away as such. And then I learned to run towards finish lines. So it's all good. And when you put your trainers on, was it like you were just escaping from reality for a certain amount of time? Yeah, I guess so. It's that free time, isn't it? It's just getting out of the house, your own space, thinking time, process time. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice and quiet. It's all good. A, a writer and a, and a journalist that I know called Bryony Gordon talks about how running helped her get out of her own head. And she once said that to me and I'm yeah. like, God, that, that really helps with me. Is that something that you experienced then in those early days? Yeah. Um, being honest, I struggle with remembering the early days because um, things didn't go so well back in 2007 by having something called dissociative amnesia. So I... Um, yeah, I'm afraid I can't really talk about the because I just don't have it in the mental space, really, because, um, yeah, 30 odd years old, I forgot everything, which was which was good on some respects, but um, not so good on other stuff. So the the childhood memories. Yeah, I don't really have. I just um, just got lots of photos and, and albums and stuff, if that makes sense. And do you mind me asking what caused that? Yeah, of course. Yes, yeah, PTSD. Um, so, yeah, time in the police saw a lot of not very nice things. Um, and being a typical bloke, we didn't talk about that stuff. And that bit me on the backside catastrophically in 2007. So, yeah, I had two years of life where it was a bit like 50 first dates because I lived with a 24-hour, 48-hour memory which was incredible because you just keep forgetting everything and everybody. So um, you do a lot of writing, a lot of note-taking as a coping strategy. But yeah, that's probably all for another podcast, I guess, because there's a world of stuff going on in there. But that's what set me on my journey to helping others and learning. Lost my brother to suicide in 2012 as well, So, which then caused me to have a stroke in 2013, uh, which then meant I couldn't do my job. So they put me on a, I was working at Heathrow Airport at the time, they put me on a continuous improvement team. And that's where I learned all my sciencey stuff around process improvement and human being, behaviour, psychology, this kind of stuff. And um, what I wanted to do is to create Athlete in Mind, because it almost does exactly what it says on the tin, and then offer it out to normal people. So when I started the business, kind of naively, I thought, yeah, I'll be working with Olympians and world champions, European champions, things like that, uh, which, I, which I do do now, but uh, probably... A good 80% of my business comes from sort of 14 to 17-year-old females and, and young athletes because they're the ones that almost struggle the most with nervousness, anxiety, stress, comparing yourself to each other's, things like that. 
And your your work sits under the umbrella of mental performance coaching. Can you explain exactly what that is and how and how you use that for runners? Yeah, so mental performance coaching, it's almost if you think about physical a physical performance coach or a physical coach or a personal trainer is somebody who who deals sort of from the neck down. You can't see me doing that. But yeah, from the neck down, from the shoulders down, it's all about the physical, the, the body side of things. I work with the the neck up. I work with the head part. So if you think of, of mental, the mind, the brain, and then performance and, and how we get that working better, more efficient, quicker, things like that. So it's, um, it's, it's almost the opposite of physical performance. It's just the top part of the body. I'm interested in the head part of the body, not so much. But obviously the brain drives everything your your body does. It's your hard drive for your your system, your your processor sort of thing. So And do you think that's where the everyday runner goes wrong, that they just only focus on the physical and they're not thinking? So I mean, I I definitely think about the neck down and not the ne- and not the neck up. Yeah, possibly social media probably doesn't do me any favours in that world because when when you look at Instagram, for example, and if I open my phone, I'm sure it's just gonna be full of big bodybuilders and biceps and six packs and things like that because that's the image we're portraying and that's what people want to look like and things like that but obviously to to get in that shape your your brain's got to be in a good place to do that level of performance and that level of lifting and things so yeah it's a very difficult one it's it's always mental performance or sports psychology is is sort of thought about the the one percent the extra one percent but i believe it should be the very first 1% because you've got to get that bit right for everything else to happen. So, you know, when you're setting a goal or whatever it may be, picking a race or losing weight or whatever, if you, you know, New Year's resolutions are coming up. So it's a great time for that. And that's why resolutions don't work. When you look at the definition of the word resolution, it says around to, to do or not to do something. So because sort of linguistically there's that to not do option, you're more likely to fail with your resolution so instead of setting resolutions I, I i personally think you should be setting a goal or a target of x y and z and then getting a good solid goal setting process in place and then you will achieve it because you'll have the fire in the belly and you'll want to do it as opposed to my new year's resolution is not to drink because i know that come the first weekend in january i'm gonna have a beer or a glass of wine or something <laughs> which and it's all gone wrong which this is actually going out when these guys listen in. This is actually going to be the first weekend in January. So fantastic. Have a beer on me, guys. <laughs> Enjoy. But let's talk about goal setting. So if everyone listening in that has maybe set goals or is about to set goals, what is the process of setting goals? Oh, that's a good one. Um, a lot of people in business will talk about SMART goals. Yes. Um, I know that acronym. Go on. Specific, measurable, achievable realistic time frame brilliant timely yeah perfect and there is smarter as well there is an er on the end um but i'm so uninterested in smart goals that i struggle to remember what smart is half the time because um yeah if your goal isn't fundamentally solid you're not going to get out the door and it's the same as when you get home from work and you've got all these good intentions of right i'm going to get home i'm going to get changed and go and then you get down and you sit down and you're like Ah, EastEnders or Hollyoaks or whatever people watch these days and uh, Netflix. And um, 
it doesn't happen because your your goal isn't solid enough. Your why, your purpose just isn't there and smart doesn't touch that. So we use another process, um, another system, which goes into a lot of a lot deeper understanding of your why you're doing it and then how you're going to go about doing it. Because there's two types of goal. Have you got any ideas what they may be? No, because I am one of those. Oh, I am one of those people. I'm one of those runners that just slaps a goal on my board and doesn't really think about what type of goal it is or whether I can get there. So which I just haven't done enough research into goals. No, that's cool. That's cool. No, not and that's and it could be possibly where a lot of us go wrong because we just go, I'm going to run a marathon and and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So yeah, two types of goal we use is um if you're so your goal of the the target would be what we call your outcome goal. So if you're gonna run London Marathon in April, other marathons are available, of course. And um, if you're gonna run London in April, that's your outcome goal. Okay, then what you need to do is um, is work back from that in a kind of a in a process, kind of break it down into achievable steps, because, you know, full well, if you go on to a website and download a schedule uh, sort of this time of year, really sort of December, January, and then you look at week 12, week 16, and you see those big figures, those double figures of 14, 16, 18 miles, 20 miles, sometimes more. And. That just frightens the bejesus out of you because you yeah. kind of go, oh, my God, I'm, I'm starting here. And how am I going to get there? And and that's what starts messing with your head almost. And you see those big numbers and you can't see the bit in the middle. So the best thing to do is kind of start with your outcome goal. And then what you do is, is put a series of what we call process goals. So they're your, your stepping stones as such. So you'll have your big, shiny outcome goal. And that could be a marathon. That could be an Olympic Games. It could be a park run. It could be your 0 to 5K then what you need to do is break that down and break that back into sort of weekly, two-weekly little chunks that you can deal with and cope with. So if I'm writing a schedule for a marathon runner, I will only give them two weeks at a time because I know they can process that amount of information without being scared yeah. <laughs> or frightened by those bigger numbers. It, yeah, it is terrifying. You're right. It's terrifying. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, having been there many times, I think I've done 10, 11 marathons now, and those big numbers are quite scary when you're starting at, at zero. So so outcome goals, get your outcome, the nice big shiny one, and then put the process in place to get there, which will be your, your training schedule, sort of mental performance work, your physical stuff, cross training, nutrition, diet, things like that. So make sure all those little processes are in place to support the bigger picture of your, of your outcome goal. So obviously you spoke about breaking all the goals down into the processes and having the process goals. How, how can people do that without feeling overwhelmed? Or is it the case of that, like your smaller processes are manageable so you can do them, tick them off. So that's meant to stop you feeling overwhelmed. Exactly. Yeah. Breaking it, keeping it really, really simple. So if you think about running, it is probably the most simplest sport we do because mm. we just put one foot in front of the other. Now, the way technology's evolved and stuff, it's massively overcomplicated, a really, really simple process. So we now have watches that can talk to me and phone me and text me and but ordinarily we would just have a stopwatch it's just start finished that's it we have heart rate you can do physiological testing so you can know all your lactate testing your vo2 max and all this kind of stuff so you've got a world of data and we often get very overcomplicated with all this data so data is important don't get me wrong and it's very very useful but for what we're doing it's just one foot in front of the other and that should be the enjoyable thing about this sport and, and this world we live in it's just one foot in front of the other 
Thinking about races in 2020, I know that I've gone to a start line and sometimes I either feel so scared, feel a bit sick, or I'm really, really excited. Why does that happen? And is there anything like that? Selfishly, I'm asking this question for me, but it will also be very, very good for everyone listening in. Is there anything that we can do about those emotions on the start line? Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've got a really good slide, which has got a, a row of portaloos in them. Okay. And there's a little phrase underneath that says most races are won or lost in the queue for the portaloo. Because obviously when you're queuing and you're waiting, that's when your brain starts thinking. And this is where the running reaper stuff comes in, that internal dialogue. So what you've got to think about is physiologically, you know, from the from the neck down, there is no difference between being nervous and being excited. The difference is, is how you talk to yourself about what you're going to do. So if we go and stand at the top of a diving board, a 20 meter diving board, you're going to make a choice, a kind of an internal choice and go, this is either going to go really well and I'm going to land this amazing triple pike somersault and it's all good and I'm excited for that. Or you're going to go, what if I belly flop? What if I hit the bottom? What if I crash? What? And so it's about being excited about what can go right as opposed to worrying about what can go wrong, if that makes sense. But that all starts with that internal dialogue and how you approach that performance or that race. So the longer the queue in the toilets, the more you're over going to think. So you've got to be excited about what can go right in the race rather than worrying about what may go wrong. And you've just mentioned there the running reaper or those negative voices. Let's circle back to then training the brain. So within your week, you spoke about breaking down your goals and actually you should have a part of that, which is mental performance. How much of a runner's week do you think should be given to mental performance and how much do you think should be given to physical performance? It should be... It should be at the forefront of your mind, I think, is probably the best thing. But yeah, we have a, a negative and a positive voice inside our head and that's what drives our day because your your internal language will drive your body language will drive your external language, so how you talk to each other. So, yeah, your internal language drives everything you do. So if that's not positive, drives your attitude, your behaviours, affects your environment, your culture, your performance, and ultimately your results. So if you are that negative Nelly in the office, just give yourself a shake, please. How do you turn those negative voices into positive voices? Because one of the biggest phrases when it comes to running is, I can't run. And that's like a negative voice or it's like, like you've said, that was a really terrible run or I can't believe I didn't hit my PB. And so how can you actually reframe that internal monologue? Yeah, there's a few things there, isn't it? This, this I can't do it thing is really interesting. And with children and certainly in schools where they're quite working on a lot of emotional intelligence, they will say to a child, it's not that you can't do it. You just can't do it yet. And that yet is the absolute fundamental icing on the cake. So if you say to a four-year-old, I want you to do your shoelaces, they're going to go, well, I can't do it. It's like, well, you just you just can't do it yet because you haven't got the knowledge and understanding or the technique to tie your shoelace. And that's exactly the same in the running world. It's not that you can't do it. So if I said, right, we're going to go run a marathon right here, right now, the three of us are going to go, well, I can't do that. Um, and probably rightly so. But with some knowledge, understanding and training and preparation, it's not that we can't do it. We just can't do it yet. We just need to go through the process to learn and understand how to do it. And then give us 10, 12 weeks. We'll be there and we'll be away. And it's so it's, that, it's not that I can't do it. I just can't do it yet is a really good place to start. And if this is good enough for four year olds, 
this is good good enough for the rest of us. We have a saying, there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. Okay, if you think about a long jump, now we've probably all done long jump a long, long time ago. Again, it's a very simple process. You run down a runway, you hit a board and you jump in the sand and you can't get the sand out for weeks at a time. I did it at school and thought I was really good because, you know, when you're about 10 and you've like, you just don't really compare yourself to others that much or I definitely didn't as a 10 year old child. And so I do long jump and I was like, oh, my God, I smashed that. Brilliant. Looking back on it. I was the shortest in my year. I, got, I didn't oh, even no. get like half a metre in front of me and I was terrible. But I never saw it that way. At the time, I zoned in on just having this amazing feeling and then smashing in the sand. And you're right, like trying to get out my socks and stuff. And anyway, I've gone off on a tangent. No, no, but, but what a great way of looking at it. It's around doing the best you can with the resources you have, if that makes sense. So, yes, if your legs were a little bit longer and maybe you were a little bit quicker or you had some technique, you would jump further. But unfortunately, you know, genetically, you're not going to change so you are what you are so it's around doing the best you can with what you have now we're not all going to go out and run sub two hour marathons like Kipchoge because you know genetically we're just not made that way and some of us have to work for a living and you know we don't eat and we don't live at altitude and all these kinds of things we don't have these wonderful trainers that make us run four percent quicker so you know normal life doesn't mean that's going to happen so we should be happy with what we do with what we've got And again, this is where social media doesn't help us because I'll look at this and go, well, I've run my 5K in 20 minutes and Johnny's running in 18 minutes. So we go back to the long jump. You run, you you land on the board and then you jump in the sand. Now, if you put your foot on the plaster scene, you get a no jump. Okay. now the way television is these days, when you watch it on the screen, it tells you how many centimetres you're over the board by and let's just say i don't know seven seven centimeters over so what it is it's not that you failed that seven meters is your feedback to go back to the beginning of the process move your marker back seven centimeters me being a cautious kind i would probably move it back eight just to make sure i land one centimeter off the board as opposed to put my foot on it but you'll get the drift so you've got the feedback to go back to the beginning to restart your process You move it back seven centimetres, you run again, and then you should land on the board and you get your jumps. It's not that you've failed, you've got the feedback. And that's how it should be with anything we do. Now, we can't run PBs every day. If we ran PBs every day, we'd all be world record holders in some way, shape or form. So we do have good days, bad days, ugly days, not so pretty days, lots of sweary days and everything in between. And that's fine. That is okay. Now, like I say, you may just, lots of variables impact a performance, so could be the wind, the rain, temperature, air temperature, lots of things. Something we did eat, something we didn't eat, uh, training we've done, training we haven't done. But it's all about that performance on the day. That's the only thing we should be really looking at. So if that race doesn't go so well, it's not that you failed or hopefully you haven't died or anything like that. It's not the worst case scenario. You know, it hasn't gone that wrong. It should give you a world of feedback to look at, to understand what you need to do to get it right next time or to improve on that. And would you suggest that you do that review on the day of the race or the run? Or do you say, put it in a box, revisit a few days later? If you need a little bit more time to process it or you need more data or it could be you know you may cross the line and you just think oh that was really really bad but then by the time you get your chip time or your data from the race organizers or something like 10 15 minutes later you've got a different 
kind of perception of how the race did or didn't go. And then you'll have some hard facts of actually yeah, I ran this time and I, I I finished in this time. And then you can go, okay, that's that's fine. Or you may have to download all your heart rate mm. or your mile splits and all that kind of stuff. So it's um depending on the data you've got, I guess. If you're going off of gut feel, that's probably the best judge of of how well you did or didn't do. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So running to feel is really important and it's and i know i could jump on a track it's a bit like a metronome really i know i could jump on a track and if somebody says i need you to run six minute mile i know exactly in my head what i need to go through 200 400 600 800 and i know what that feels like and i would give or take a second or two be around six minute miling say so i know if i jump on a road i know if i'm running too fast or i know if i'm not running fast enough because my body tells me and it's probably the one thing we don't listen to enough is our body because it's it's got all the information and all the data but we get too bogged down with heart rate and what that's telling me to do which is which is fine but it's, you know, what if you've had an extra cup of coffee and your heart rate is slightly raised? What if you're, you know, the gun's gone bang really loudly and you've had a little mini, uh, little mini heart attack and you've just like, oh, God, and your heart rate goes up because you've jumped and then you're suddenly looking at your watch and it's, it's running at 170 instead of 160. So you slow down. If you want to get fitter and faster without adding more impact to your week, then let me recommend that you check out the strengthening classes over at F45, the sponsor of today's show. By building a stronger, more stable body, you can help prevent injuries further down the line. Thanks, F45. Can we uh, talk about visualisation? You've mentioned that that's really important within mental performance. I've got used to doing visualisation, but I know that in the beginning I felt like a bit of a tool doing it. But I only managed to embrace visualisation after I'd run the after I'd run the marathon and I'd run the course. I'd then on the treadmill be able to visualise that, or I went to I for a while this year I ran with a track club, and then when I was on a treadmill doing four hundreds, I could visualise it. For everybody who's listening in who isn't used to visualisation, can you give us a bit of a beginner's guide on how to use it for your running? Yeah, I would I would keep it really simple. So I would probably again visualization doesn't work for everybody because if you're not a visual person you're just not going to see it. So don't get too bogged down if you can't see something in the future. You're just not wired that way. So when I look at visualization I kind of bring in the other two senses of feeling and hearing as well. So if I get somebody to imagine themselves running up the mall at London Marathon I would look at what do you see, what do you hear, 
and what do you feel? And then by process of elimination, you should tap into every sensory kind of representation so that you will get it in some way, shape or form. So it may, you may struggle to see it, but you may hear the sound of the crowd shouting your name because you've got it in big letters across your chest or you'll feel what, what that feels like as you cross the line. And, you know, I always, I always think about what it feels like when I, when I cross the line and then you go up that little ramp and they take your tag off because that, that little ramp feels like Mount Everest, doesn't it? And then you lean forward and somebody puts that medal around your neck. And I always remember how heavy that medal felt. And I thought I was just going to topple over because my center of gravity was about 14 foot ahead of me. And I thought oh, this is just going to get messy because I haven't got the strength to and then you start you bend over and your hamstrings and your glutes all cramp and you're like oh this is a mess but it's kind of those those feelings that that really help us so what does it look like what what do you see what do you hear what do you feel are the three key things to to kind of bolting on to visualization because it may just be you just can't see it so you might need to feel it or hear it love help you love that on the subject of hearing stuff, I put out some listener questions oh, and so yes, yeah, somebody came back to me and asked about running mantras. Do you use them? And if so, how do you create them? Oh, a running mantra. Yes. Now I have, I've got an image somewhere, which is no good for a podcast, but basically on my left arm, I write three things on my arm because that helps with my confidence. Okay, now we're getting to a different world of confidence, so it probably isn't helping. But basically, your mantra is what is going to provide you confidence. So as you know, confidence doesn't exist. Okay, you can't, you know, I can't pick up this cup of coffee and drink it and I'm suddenly confident. Um, alcohol is probably the exception to the rule there, because when you do drink alcohol, you you do feel a bit more confident, but it's not really confidence as such. It's um, probably more delusional confidence of I'm big and hard and I'm going to fight everybody. But, um, you know, you can't drink it, you can't eat it, you can't make it. So you have to create it in your head. Now, confidence is the belief in your ability to do the task based on a previous experience. So what we have to do is think, when was the last time I felt confident? And that could be in work, life, first dates, an interview, a meeting or whatever it may be. So what three things were in place when you felt confident? And then what I do is I write those down on my arm. So mine is get out fast, get in amongst them, no fear. So what I do is as I get into the blocks, whether it's in a club race, uh, you know, a world championship or something like that, I will look at my arm. It's the last thing I see when I get in the blocks as I kind of look at the white line in front of me. So I look at my arm, get out hard, get in amongst them, no fear. And then I'll look up at the first barrier and I'll go, we call it minerals. I have big minerals. There is a sign for that, but you won't see that. <laughs> so yeah, big, big minerals as you hit that first hurdle at three foot six at, at flat out. So you need to get out hard, get in amongst them, no fear. And that's so I write that down on my arm and that's a real useful, you know, if, if I need a reminding of where I am and what I'm doing, what's my purpose here? What am I here to do? Here to do this job. That really helps me. A couple of years ago, I had a real wobble in my mm. career and um, I tapped into those things and I and I had a phrase which I used to say to myself and I used to be like, I'm positive, I'm professional, I'm me. And it, it was really powerful just yeah. repeating those words in my head. And then I'd put them, sometimes I put them in the notes on my phone. But it is amazing, the, the power. Yeah, definitely. The power of the words. Absolutely. I have one last question, which I'm sad to say because this has been such an enlightening chat and I am so glad it is today's episode. It's like a massive audio ball of positivity, I think, going out to all the runners here. Sounds good. So let's wrap it up with what's the one thing you say to all the runners that you work with? It's got to be a phrase, I think, 
my nan used to say to me was just go and do your best. That is all you can do is do the best that you can with what you've got on this day. If your best is good enough to win, amazing. If your best is good enough for fourth at the Olympic Games, that's awesome. If your best is, you know, one hour to walk a 5K park run, that's amazing in my book. There's no judging. There's no, you know, speed is relative. As long as you're doing your best and giving 100, 110% doesn't exist. As long as you're giving everything you've got, that's that's amazing in my world. And if that's good enough to win a Formula One race or win an Olympic gold, that's amazing. So whatever you're doing, do it well. Give it your best. Give it your best. And that's in tribute to my nan. <laughs> bless her. God bless nans. I actually, last year, I um, I ran the Santa run. So mm. the 5K dash dressed up as Father Christmas with my nan. Amazing. That is really cool. Really cool. Uh, so, Andy, I would love all the Wellfire listeners to find out more about what you do because I know it isn't a service which is just for athletes with massive budgets. So where's the best place for them to find you and how can they work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So everything on social media is out there. So give me a follow at athlete in mind all one word does exactly what it says in the tin and yeah breaking down those myths that sports psychology mental performance is purely for the elites it's not my the aim of my business is to make it affordable and accessible to the normal person so joe jogger whoever you are get in touch it's not expensive it's the same as a physio or anything else you would look at that kind of service so it's not hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds it's um but it does make a real big difference really powerful stuff fantastic thanks so much pleasure welcome yogis this is a yoga flow to help you restore and relax after your run my name's yasmin fatori and i teach yoga to all ages at all levels and to all people so i hope you enjoy this We're going to start today lying down flat on the mat. So as you kick your shoes off, give your toes a wriggle and relax down into Shavasana. That simply means lying flat on your mat. If you do have any lower back issues, then tented bridge position is an alternative with the knees softly kissing and the heels a little wider with the feet firmly planted on the ground. Shavasana is a pose of deep restoration where we consciously relax our muscular and emotional tension in the body. So take a deep breath. And as you exhale, set your intention to relax through your flow today. Your legs are extended almost as wide as your mat. Let your big toes softly roll away from each other to release through the hips and pelvis. Let your arms rest by your side, opening your palms, facing the sky. And just let go of anything you feel is holding you back, on the mat and in your life. Allow your body to feel heavy, completely supported by the earth beneath you. Softly separate your teeth to allow your jaw to release and relax. And appreciate the feeling of complete stillness and the peacefulness that it brings to you. Feel the rise and the fall of your breath. And with a gentle sigh, then begin 
a slow return into your body and into the room. Just the way you want to do it. Let your body talk to you now. You might want to a little roll from side to side. You might want to relax the head from side to side. You might want to squeeze the hands into soft fists and then release and let go. Remember, your yoga doesn't have to be perfect. Just perfect for you. So take what you want, leave what you don't, and enjoy what you do, just as in life. Let's bend the knees and place the feet firmly on the floor, hip bone distance. We're going to begin with a hip roll. So let your knees gently roll to the right. And if it feels good, let the head release away from the left. I like to call the muscles between the neck and the shoulder the violin strings. So just soften them as though you're sighing down into the eyes of the heart. And as the knees come back to center, and let them roll the other way, rolling to the left. And again, the head can relax the violin strings as it rolls towards the right. A soft sigh is usually the body's way of just relaxing and enjoying this sequence. And then align nose with navel, heels with the sit bones, knees with the hips, and check those shoulders are still relaxed on the floor. Let's bring the right knee into the chest, taking the hands behind the thigh. And you just want to allow that lower back to relax a little bit more. You might feel a little tilting of the pelvis. And then we're going to ease into reclining pigeon. You bring the right foot on top of the left thigh, easing the knee away with the right palm, making sure that you're not overpressing on the knee. This is a soft opening of the hips. If you imagine that your run is a very vertical line of movement, we now need to balance that and open the mouth. Bringing the knee back into the chest, exhale to lengthen the leg up to the sky. The hands can be behind the thigh or the calf. And if it feels good, elongate your left leg into the ground. And as you sigh, just try and release that lower back again. See if the back of the knee will relax a little deeper into the floor. Keeping the head and shoulders relaxing on your mat. And if it feels good, circle that right ankle up in the sky. Little circles that spiral all the way down from the ankle, the calf, the knee, the thigh into the hip. Circles are very good for releasing tension. Bringing the right knee back into the chest, we ease into reclining twist. As the right knee rolls to the left and the head rolls to the right, opening your right arm, palm fingers. Twists are all about releasing and letting go. So pause and then exhale a little deeper. As you ease back to your center alignment, bring that right foot inside the left thigh and allow the knee to drop open a little more. This is reclining tree pose. Your hands rest on your hip bones and you just feel the balance restoring into your body. As you take an in-breath, ease into a full body stretch. 
fingers away from toes, toes away from fingers. And it feels lovely when the body stretches and releases tension and tightness. And then bring the hands back down the side and give the arms and legs a little shake. Just release and let go. And prepare to flow on the other side. Drawing in the core, slide your feet along the mat with knees bent until you find a position that feels good. We begin our hip roll. This time, knees roll to the left. The head can relax to the right. See if it feels any different on this side. And then with an out breath, ease to the other side. Knees roll to the right, head to the left. See if those violin strings are feeling a little more comfortable now through the neck, face, jaw, even along your teeth and up to the space between your eyebrows. And return with knees bent, feet flat on the floor. Let's bring the left knee into the chest. Again, always be mindful to see if one side of the body feels different. And then make adjustments as you need to. Bringing the left knee into the chest. Just relax the lower back a little more comfortably into the floor. And then bring the left foot to the right thigh into reclining pigeon. Pressing the left thigh away with the left hand and opening through the hips. Returning the left knee into the chest, take an in-breath. And as you exhale, allow that left leg to float up to the sky as we ease into reclining splits. If it feels nice through your body, elongate your right leg long into the floor as you feel that perfect balance of strength and flexibility of holding on, but also letting go. Drawing the left knee back into the chest, as you exhale, roll the left knee over to the right and open the left palm, elongating the arm so your eye gaze travels all the way to your fingertips. And again, a chance to let go of any negativity in your life that's holding you back. Coming back towards your central alignment, the left foot relaxes inside the right thigh for reclining tree pose. Allowing your hands to rest on your hip bones, soften the lower back, sit bones, tailbone into the floor, finding balance with the earth supporting you and the air all around you. As you relax that left leg all the way down, take a full body stretch once more, lengthening into fingers, into toes. Feel new energy flowing through your body. And as you exhale, relax and give the arms and legs a gentle shake. And it ease the body into reclining butterfly. And this pose works to release tension in your hips and the groin and to bring enhanced circulation to the vital organs in your lower belly. So bring the soles of your feet to touch and allow your knees to drop out to the sides, creating a diamond shape with your legs. Bring one hand to your belly and one hand to your heart and reconnect with your own breath. 
Allow your pulse rate to settle once more. Allow your breathing to find its own rhythm. Inhaling. And exhaling fully and completely. Inhaling. Exhaling fully and completely. This time, inhale into a breath of gratitude to yourself, to your body, and all that it's given you, not only through your run today, but every day and everything that you achieve. And as you exhale, bring the gratitude back down deep into your core, into your belly. And then once more, open your palms, let the arms roll by your sides. And in this position of openness, be open to new opportunities. As you roll onto your right side, we're going to pause into embryo pose as the head relaxes down towards the knees and the knees draw in towards the chest. And your right arm makes a little pillow for your head to rest on. We remember that we can restart any time we wish, at any moment in our day. We can press refresh and start again. As you press your hands lightly into the ground, rise to seated and settle into easy cross-leg pose, just rocking through the sit bones to find a grounding. Bringing your hands to rest at heart center. Feel new length through your spine after your yoga flow. From the tailbone all the way, lower back, middle, upper, through the neck to the crown of your head, as though you've been lifted by a golden thread. And then rub your hands lightly together. Feel the warmth that you're creating. And bring these soft, warm palms just in front of your eyes and feel a reflective glow. The world is a wonderful place full of beauty, charm and adventure. There is no end to the adventures we can have if only we seek them with our eyes truly open. Rumi. So open your eyes as though for the first time today. Allow the light to filter through your fingers. Ease the hands a little further away from your face. And then gently open the curtains on a new dawn. Bringing the hands to prayer at heart center. Thank your body for your yoga flow. Namaste yogis. I hope you've enjoyed yoga with Yasmin today. If you'd like to find out a little more, then please check us out on Yoga with Yasmin on Facebook. Or if you're ever in the Wiltshire area, we'd love to welcome you to one of our classes. Namaste. And just like that, today's show brings the second season of Welfare to a close. Thank you so, so much for supporting the podcast, but also sharing all of your running journeys using hashtag Welfare. Do stay tuned as in the next few weeks I'll be bringing you a bonus run of shows. Yes, that's right guys, 
backed by popular demand are the Welfare Run Chats, and this time around, we'll be running them as extended episodes. I've got a great squad of guests lined up, so do look out for them. And follow me on Instagram at wellness underscore ed, as I'll be going on tour this year to meet as many of you as possible and introduce you to my first book, I Can Run. It's coming out this March. Don't forget, there are also 28 episodes of Welfare on here, so if you haven't worked your way through the whole season of one and two, go back and listen to the show. There's hours of free training tips and advice waiting for you. And if you circle back to season one, you'll be able to follow my marathon training journey as I got ready for Paris. Thanks, guys. Keep going well far. And I hope to meet some of you, if not all of you, very, very soon. Before I go, I just want to say a final shout out to F45 for supporting my mission of helping you guys get well fit so you can run well far. I genuinely couldn't have done this season without them. Head to f45training.com forward slash welfare to join a global fitness community like no other. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 